Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Marketeers. Today I have on Ayo Abbas. She is a built environment marketing consultant from the UK. She has over 20 years experience working in B2B marketing and has worked for major firms, including Arup, Mace, and Ramble. In February, 2020, Ayo founded her own consultancy business, Abbas Marketing, and offers marketing strategy and content creation services for built environment firms and organizations. She enjoys working with companies who are passionate about what they do and aren't afraid to challenge our somewhat traditional sector. Io is a fellow of the RSA and a committee member for Build Up, a built environment marketing networking group. She also hosts her own podcast, The Built Environment Marketing Show. Welcome, Io. Hello, how are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward <laughs> to this conversation. I am a huge fan of your podcast and you did a series a while back that really got my attention. And so I wanted to dig into that, but before we go there, I'm curious how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Okay. Like everybody else, I kind of fell into it. So I guess I had, I guess my nearest kind of construction related or construction related dream was probably I always dreamed of like having a painted ceiling in my house as a child like the Sistine Chapel which was a bit bizarre did you really yes yeah Mm -hmm. star that was like my dream I I did go to like the Vatican and stuff I didn't actually queue up to go and see it but anyway what I did do so in terms of my overall career I started off I did like a business degree at university with a marketing specialism and then after that I kind of fell into construction PR I kind of got that job so I marketed carpet tiles, flooring, lighting, bricks, all types of different construction materials to architects and contractors. So it was that kind of writing press releases, running events, doing all the kind of hands-on stuff. So yeah, so I did that for like three years. And then after that, I kind of needed to dry out really because I'd been drinking too much at events. And then I decided that I was going to move in-house. So I got, I started moving in-house and I got a job working for an engineering firm structural engineering firm of 50 people. I worked there for a few years and then I kind of moved from there to Arup, which was 10,000 people. So it was kind of like that kind of got me into the whole engineering side and construction side a bit more. And yeah, that's where I've been is kind of moving around different firms in the industry for many years. And I guess in terms of what I do marketing wise, I'm a generalist, but I also love creating content. So I love writing and, you know, creating campaigns. So that's kind of what my background is and how I ended up where I am today. Perfect. So you have this amazing podcast, The Built Environment Marketing Show, which was previously marketing in times of recovery, and recently did a three-part series on marketing models. Two of the three models I had actually never heard of, okay, and I found them to be really interesting and potentially really useful, and they could exist in the United States, and I just haven't sort of attached a title to them. Yeah. But for the sake of this conversation, I'm just going to assume that they don't exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'm a researcher that. <laughs> yeah. So 
I don't want to necessarily dig into the type of detail that you did on your episodes because you did such a great job breaking down each of those. But what I would like to do is maybe take a higher level approach to what these different models are, maybe some of their pros, their cons, some examples of what they could look like. And then if our listeners are interested in digging into one of those, I can link that episodes in the episode show notes of this episode. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. Do you want okay. me to start off with how how the series <clears throat> came about? So yes. I guess each time I kind of do my show in season. So each season I kind of try and mix it up a bit and do something at the start to kick it off. Okay. So with this one, I just thought I follow a lot of kind of consumer marketers and founders and female founded businesses and things. And these types of different models are, are much more prolific in those types of sectors, but not necessarily in construction. So what I really wanted to do was show to construction companies and, and built environment firms is actually show that there are different ways of getting things done. Because to me, there was people who were always looking at either I need to employ an expensive agency for, you know, thousands of dollars a month. Or, you know, I need to have someone in-house full-time here who I sit there and look over. And I think it's that whole thing of looking at there's different ways to do this. It doesn't all have to be in-house. You can find the right people. And I think it's that kind of approach that I wanted to showcase. And that's where it all kind of began was that really. Perfect. I guess the first model that I actually talked about was the kind of group and online programs. Now, this is much yes. more something that happens, I guess, in consumer uh, online courses blew up during lockdown, right. especially for consumer side, but not necessarily in B2B as much or not necessarily in the built environment. And this is very much about you might have an aim like I want, you know, it could be a short course that helps you develop your website copy if you're an SME, for example, a small to mid-sized practice. Or it could be that you're looking to improve your business development. So there'd always be some kind of objective or something that frames it. And right. then it, it's very much like a kind of group cohort. So there'll be a number of you working towards a goal for your business and you come together and there'll be someone who's leading that program who will take you through it. So teach you the basics, work with you in your copy, maybe review what you're doing if it's a website project. So it's that kind of model. So you have like by the end of that program or that period do you have an objective that you're trying to hit for your business and then that's it you know and it's a lower cost you still get a consultant or somebody working with you but it's I guess it's a lot more accessible as well plus also sure. you get that whole group dynamic as well because you're part of a cohort who can talk to each other normally they run through you know they have communications platforms like slack where they can talk to each other and work together so you kind of get the insight for your wider group as well and I mean, I've done things like masterminds myself as an individual for my business, you know, that whole group cohort over a six month period and you develop as you go along and you get to know each other. So you get that community feel as well. So that's quite a nice model for that. Right. So I guess in terms of pros and cons, that's a way that you can, it can cost less, can definitely fast track what you're doing, your objectives and get you better, you know, get you somewhere faster and quicker. And also it's a great way of spreading the word of what you're doing and I guess, learning from others as well. I think that's one of the key ways of that kind of model. Now, in your conversations and experience with this type of model, is it typically recorded sessions or live sessions or sort of a mix of the two? It can be a mix, or I or I think the ones I've seen. So I, I actually interviewed someone called Nikita Morel, who does a website one, and that's a live program, which I think she does then record and people can watch afterwards in the cohort if you can't make it. But I think it's right. a mix of that live sessions so you get that kind of feedback and yeah feedback as you're going along which I think helps a lot anyway it's not so passive isn't it sure 
So then the types of people that, or I guess the types of firms maybe that sign up for this service, are they going to be those smaller firms typically? I think typically for that kind of group and online program, it's going to be smaller firms. I think group and online programs either work for smaller firms or they also work for individuals. So, you know, if you're trying to fast track, you know, like coaching programs and things like that, but coaching programs and things like that, I think it's that kind of smaller kind of cohort. I think that's who it's for really. Perfect. So then the next model is one that I'm more familiar with, which is the freelancing and consulting model. I think especially given that you and I are both consultants, this is sort of more home territory. But how would you describe, I suppose, freelancing and consulting, but then maybe what do the two mean? And how does that work? Do you, I kind of tend to use both because I think it depends on what context you're talking with. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I kind of, I, I think when I started off, I was a freelance marketing consultant and then I kind of, I don't know, freelance has some connotations of being very small or very ad hoc. So I kind of use marketing consultant rather than that. But I think one in the two, they kind of mean a similar thing. In my mind, they also hold a similar space. Freelance, I almost see as more of like a graphic design. I see it more on like a, almost like a project basis Ah. as opposed to like an ongoing relationship. But that could just be my own perception of the word yeah I don't know I tend to go for marketing consulting because I I know it just feels more professional to me but I guess in a way I mean in terms of the model it's you've got an expert someone who understands what they do and you could work with them for set days on set projects or over on a set period of time and then you've got an area or an objective that you want them to cover or to help you achieve and that's kind of the model in essence I I would say right how do you feel about it how do you describe what you do I think you you hit the nail on the head there. It's you're hiring someone for a specific purpose for a set amount of time yeah. and that time may be extended, but there's an end goal with that relationship. Yeah. That's how and I, I think in terms of pros and cons to me, I guess it's about fast tracking your marketing. So, I mean, I kind of think in terms of to become a consultant you've been there you've seen it and you've done it so yeah. you kind of you can share that expertise on what to do I mean I know some of the smaller firms and startups I'm working with at the moment quite often it's you know they're coming to me going this is our dilemma what should we do and being able to kind of go okay this is what you need to consider this is how you could set it up and this is what it would mean cost wise and things like that so I think it's bringing that level of experience and expertise can really help people in terms of being other pros of working a consultant and I guess as well we work across a number of accounts and have been had a number of roles in our day jobs as we've gone along as well so I think bringing that kind of best practice from all over the place really does help a firm again to fast track what they're doing and I guess as well being external it also means you're not bogged down in the kind of day-to-day politics that always comes up internally in firms so it's more like that's the objective who do I need to talk to right how can I get this done and you kind of have that whole thing as well so I think those are probably the main pros for me and similar for you I would only add that just from having been in-house and working with consultants I do feel like consultants are taken a bit more seriously and given a bit more time when it comes to their projects because it's there's an understanding within the company that these people are being paid to do what they're doing so even if you as an in-house marketer have been asking for something 
you know, in a number of ways, like you're brainstorming with your friends how to ask <laughs> something, then a consultant comes in and is like, Hey, I need this. And, you know, they ask they're given sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. So if but there's also, sort of a roadblock there, I think consultants can, can bash that down a bit easier. Yeah. But it's also that thing as well, where some people are like the consultant could say exactly the same as what the in-house person says, but you're taken more seriously because you're yeah. from outside which which sounds ridiculous, but that is true, isn't it? That's true. Yep. yep. <laughs> Cons, I guess, some people like the availability of having somebody there full time. Mm-hmm. So having a consultant for specific days when you need to have stuff ready for those times and things doesn't work for everybody. So you have to be a bit more organized as a client. Yeah, to make sure that person when they're working for you, they have the they have what they need. And I guess as well, cost could be an issue because we've obviously got to cover all our kind of healthcare and all our other kind of costs and our taxes and everything else but yeah so it's kind of swings around about so those are the big things in terms of cons for me when it comes to the freelancer consultant model I would say also the manpower or person power behind yeah. it is typically when you're looking at a freelancer consultant you're likely only working with one person so you don't have a marketing team you have a marketing person there and you're working with whatever time constraints they're working with so if you have a project that's meant for five people and you're trying to give it to one person it's gonna gonna take take more time time. yeah Yeah. I mean actually I've had that once actually with a large website project where they suddenly said can you write 60 kind of service page profiles and it was me and I sort of went and they had a deadline so actually I brought in another freelancer and we did it together Right. So you can do that kind of thing of, I've known her for years. I knew she could do the job. So we worked together on that and delivered that project within the time scale. So I, I think there's still that thing where you can bring in more freelancers and things sure. and, and join together. So that's actually quite a nice thing to do as well. Yep. Yep. Agreed. So then the third model, do you want to introduce it? Yeah. So the third model, model is about collective. So I guess a lot at the moment in kind of the media and press, everyone's talking about community and collectives and working together and collaboration. And this one is when a number of specialists come together and form their own entity or they kind of, they work together on a project. So a bit similar, I guess, when I, on that previous model, when we talked about two freelancers coming together, mm-hmm. but a whole kind of collective is the whole thing of, you know, they have an offer together and what they do. So for example, I know like there's a collective called the Comms Crit, and they are architectural communication specialists and there's three of them and they literally come together and they work with small practices. They have like an audit and recommendation process. So all three Mm. of them bring their own specialist areas of communications to it. And then they have a thing where they do reviews and workshops together with smaller practices. And then they come up with a plan and recommendations for them. So that, that kind of collective model, that's what they do. They're all bringing their own uniqueness to the whole process. So And also it's quite fun to do in terms of working with more people because it's that whole situation as well. So that's the kind of collective model, which we talk about in the podcast as well. It almost reminds me of the project delivery method of like a JV. Yeah. Okay. So is that roughly what it is, but with marketing? But I think it is, but probably not so structured. So you wouldn't have a huge like contract between the three of them. I think it's more a case of, working with like-minded people right so I, think it, it, I think it's more of that it's a bit it's not so structured like a jv contract but okay I think it's them coming together and saying 
actually to do this process, you'll have three of us doing the whole thing. And I think it's more a case of it's, it gives you a wider breadth of ideas. I think that's what it's about. Got it. Okay. It's so it's not like that. a legal. No, it's not that legal. Formation. Kind of JV okay. and yeah. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So then what do you see? You've touched on some pros. What, what do you see as more I pros? Think, <laughs> I think more pros are going to be, okay, it's fun to work with other people. I think it's also a way to bid for bigger projects. Mm. You know, like, consultants as a way that as a collective that you know more people could they can go for larger projects with more mid to large size firms I also think it's you get more ideas because there's a number of different experiences in there so I think that's the kind of key for me for collectives is that whole kind of everyone's bringing a different flavor to it really perfect and then some cons I think the cons would be around kind of it can take longer to get coordinate responses people's diaries to actually get right. everybody in the room at the right time. And also, I guess it's a, how do you make sure that the costs aren't too much for the client at the end of the day? Because obviously there's three people involved and there's more resource required. So I think it's that balance. Perfect. Do you find that the individuals that are working within these collectives, do they have their own understanding of how projects are meant to work? Like, have they already worked through their process on the back end or... Do they typically take it on like a project by project basis? I think the, the collective I'm thinking of, they take it on a project by project basis, but they're all okay. consultants themselves. They all have their own businesses that they have, but they come Got together it. to do this. But I think they set it up. What I'm thinking of, they actually set up during lockdown as a way to help small to mid-sized practices to, right. to improve their marketing. So it, it was more that. For the listeners who do end up going and listening to this specific episode I need to know, what is a crit? A crit is an architectural thing where it's basically, I think in architectural university, don't quote me because I, I never, I, I don't know architecture that much. Sure. It's when, it's when students kind of present their work and then it's critiqued. Ah. That's what it's crit is known as. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot That's more sense. Because I was like, so. is this like short for criteria? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's critique. So it's basically... Oh, very good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes more it's sense. That, it's that kind of model. So it's like a student model, but architects are used to talking about it. So that's why it's called Comscrit. In that episode, I, I believe it was the collectives that you mentioned that this isn't just a, a marketing function a model that the, again, I hate using the word technical because we're all actually technical professionals, yeah. but like the engineers and the architects that they're also starting to form their own collectives based on. Yeah. Yes. So one of the, the LDN collective, who are the other guests on the, in, in this, in this episode. Yes. Yeah. It's actually a collective, which is a much wider collective. So marketing's in there as one of the kind of services, I guess. But mm-hmm. then they've got architects in there, designers in there, they're working, you know, placemakers, they're working for developers. So what they do is they will assemble a team of different practices and build that for whatever that client needs. Got it. And marketing is part of that mix. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Got it. So that's how that's working for the LDN Collective, but we can put links into them as well because it's really interesting what they're doing. Cool. Again, it's that whole thing that they bring a a bigger hole. I know that a majority of my listeners, aside from my family in Ireland who have have that little Irish chunk on my my listener (laughs) stats sheet... Thank you, Irish family. (laughs) Most of my listeners would be in the US and I can already imagine a question being, okay, well, this is great. 
awesome that there are these different marketing models in the UK. How do we benefit from that in the States? Or if, you know, if we're basically not in the UK, what does that look like? (laughs) Actually, I think that's a very limiting way of looking at it. I think these models are applicable to wherever you are. And especially with the advent of, I guess, the lockdowns that we've all been through, more and more we're a global society so actually some of these courses I've talked about for example Nikita Morel she's based in Australia I know Mm. well she's working with practices in the US in Europe in the UK is she here no she's not but she can still deliver that service and still work with practices because actually it's the same principles in terms of how you write a website for an architectural firm it's you know and I think that's the thing is it's actually we're all getting more and more global and these services are still there so I think it's more a case of looking at the idea, thinking about what works for your business and then researching out there who can help you do it. Because I guarantee you, there will be people in the US who are doing similar things and similar types of courses. It's just you might not have found them or heard of them. Sure, or don't even know to look for them. Exactly, and I think that's it. It's one of the reasons I did this series was actually flagging up the different ways of getting things done. Because I think when I speak to SMEs and smaller practices, I think quite often they're often saying, you know, people aren't aware that these things are there. And I think actually showcasing what can be done and that you know it doesn't have to be this one way there are so many different ways and I think any kind of piece of marketing you do you can tackle in a number of ways so I think it's just showcasing something different perfect well thank you so much for joining me today if our listeners want to get in touch with you or learn more about your work where should I direct them the best bet you can either find me on LinkedIn which is Iowa Bass which is A-Y-O and last name is Abbas, which is A-double-B-A-S. I tend to be on there most days, so just say hi. And you can also find my podcast and more about the work that I do on my website, which is abbasmarketing.com. So www.abbas, which is A-B-B-A-S, marketing.com. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. No worries, guys. That'd be wonderful. All right, marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketing Podcast. I have a new ask this week, and that is, please hit those five stars if you're enjoying this podcast and or leave a nice review. I have some big things planned for 2023, and your reviews help me get guests on the podcast. So as you know, new episodes are released every other week, so we will chat soon. 